silence yep <laughs> deafening silence what's the him stand for his imperial majesty his imperial majesty marcus Wenticus. yep Is that a roman reference no it's a silly reference okay <laughs> from the land of laughter yes his imperial Majesty Marcus Wenticus, who is so serious about being funny that he had to put the H-I-M symbols in front of his name. All right. And near Jenny on the Block, which is a reference to... My hometown. Which is? Brooklyn. That's not your hometown, really. Yeah, it is. It would be if you were a certain... I was just a young girl on the streets in the... Hispanic Latin part of the Bronx. Yeah, I can really tell your Spanish history from the way the heritage from the way your eyes and your hairs and hair look. You know, I get that a lot. And um, I just like that's why Jenny on the block. I'm still the same girl that I was growing up. You know, I watched Marry Me last week. Did you like it? I did. And I didn't like myself for liking it. Ah, a guilty pleasure. I love it. I love those silly rom-com movies. And I think, you know, those two are great when they do them. And they've done a few. Yeah. It would have been really bad if they had cast um, her current boyfriend. Ben Affleck. Yeah, Ben Affleck. Did you see the um, the accountant, his movie, The Accountant? I did. It's that been a while. So fucking good. Yeah. That is yeah. so good. That is a great movie. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm watching now is a Hulu show called The Old Man. Hmm. Which is, uh, about um, a very, very old guy who had evaded. He was part of the CIA and he did some shenanigans in, in uh, Afghanistan and then disappeared during the Afghan-Russian uh, war. And it's all finally catching up with him. I was watching um, Only Murders in the Building, the second season. Yeah, we started watching that this week, too. But somehow, my I got kicked out of Hulu. Did you now? Yeah, I don't want to go. What did you tell her? What did you say to Hulu? I said, bitch, I'm still the girl you knew in preschool. Quit being a bitch. Who knew? Who behind knew? the counter of 7-Eleven and I'm driving by in my Bentley. Doesn't mean shit. So now I'm starting to understand that you're identifying with uh, J-Lo. I don't know what you're identifying with J-Lo. That's just yeah. a moniker that people gave me and I use it. It's fine. When when did they give it to you? After that last gold record? No, that Jenny, uh, J-Lo was pretty early on in the career. Yeah. You know, your summer school's crimping on summer our camp. Uh, summer camp. Yeah, it's crimping on our thing. We don't have anything that we thought of to talk about. Today. We don't know what we're talking about. Isn't that amazing? We didn't know <laughs> the times that we had things to talk about that we didn't know. We didn't know what we were talking about. I'm not worried. You shouldn't be worried. The audience, you guys shouldn't be worried either because the whole pull of this show is our personalities <laughs> and our good looks. Well, that's, the, that's, that's important for an audio show to look good. Well, it is also live for now. Um, you, although YouTube keeps threatening us. No, see, those aren't real. No, it's Facebook. Oh, we're getting spam from someone who wants us to give up our passwords. Is that what that is? No, Facebook. It's from oh, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, and they're not real. They're like, yeah, you click through to Facebook, and then there's a message on there to click this link, and that's the nefarious link. 
Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. Fishing. I don't even know if it's fishing. It just might be malware. It might be horrible. Might be a bomb in the face. Wow. Speaking of which. um, (laughs) Speaking of bombs in the face. One of the great things we do at summer camp is we give the kids the opportunity to pie the instructors on Fridays. Every Friday? Yeah, every Friday. During the week, they if they do good things, they get what's called pie points, and we keep track of the pie points. And then we put them into a random drawing, and then we pull four names out. And if you're picked, then you get to put a pie, a shaving cream pie, in the face of any of the administrators or instructors. Now, I am on going into next week will be week five. No, week four. And uh, so far, no one's decided to pie me. All right. Oh, wait, that's wrong. I got pied the second week. Oh, see? How soon they forget. Yes, very soon, in fact. Kind of where I added some theatricalness to it when when the uh, what we do, because they're shorter than us, is we sit on a five-gallon bucket out in the yard on the AstroTurf. And what I did was when the this person pied me, I flung myself backwards as if I had been pied intensely. Nice. That w- it was fun. A little bit of stuntman Mark. Has uh, the young man who accidentally tossed his brother to the ground and was a troublemaker, but turned out to be an ace programmer. He didn't come back this week, but you know, he left on good terms and I had a different possible concussion this week. Oh, nice. But did that kid get get any pie points during the Uh, time? Let me think. Well, yes, actually, he did have one. He had gone up at one point. He had five, but he had knocked himself back down to one. Oh, so you earn them and lose them, huh? You can earn them and lose them. And then um, last week. go negative. They don't go negative. You just get zero, and then you're you're out of the running. Um, last week we had someone who was in another class. They had one pie point, but the instructor really was thinking they should have no pie points, but they get, and then they got picked. And then the instructor was like, Oh dear, because they were so bad. They were just so uncooperative and talk, you know, talking over the teacher and all these things. And and then we had a meeting on Monday. We're like, okay, make sure you put zero pie points down. If what you want is for them not to be able to get, and he had their hands on a pie because if you just put one, it's still a random chance that they'll get it. Oh, I see what happened. The instructor gave them one, like out of a whatever point, whatever. Yeah. And then <laughs> a nope. misunderstanding of the rule. Yeah, they were like, Oh, I was so disappointed when they got picked. And I was like, <laughs> well, why did they have a pie point? Yeah. It's fun. We have a, a, uh, a random generator that, we do the pie points with um it's called wait so uh, only one kid gets chosen to pie someone no we do four different kids i think all kids with pie points should be able to pie someone well no because there's only time for like four pies okay well what Um, if you just they all line up everyone with points lines up with a pie and then all the instructors and admin in, they're all there in a line on buckets. And the kids just run up and pie you all at once. Bam, bam, bam. Like a total anarchy frenzy. You got Metallica playing in the background. I'll suggest that at the next staff meeting. Okay. It's Monday. Monday is the next staff meeting? Yeah. Okay. I'll suggest that. And we'll let you know in three weeks. And tell them, hey, give it a try this Friday when I'm gone and let me know how it went. And let's see if we're going to do it again the next Friday. That's right. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, we are recording two episodes today because I'm going to be uh, going up to Tahoe on July 21st. And then on July 22nd and July 23rd, I'll be reuniting with my bandmates, Lumination. We spoke yes. a little bit about it at the end of last week's episode. But we're doing two free concerts, uh, one at Music on the Beach, which is at King's Beach, and then the other is at the North Star Resort um, from 3 to 6 p.m. on Saturday. What's the over-under on Bobby accidentally mentioning North Star at King's Beach? (laughs) That's a good question. 
As soon as I told him, he started thinking of ways he could say something and not actually trip the wire. So uh, I don't really understand an over under concept, but I know you're talking about gambling odds. So right now, seven to two. No, it's it's lower than that. Well, really? Yeah, he's well. Vegas says seven to two. I know you're in the band. You have a bias. Vegas right now seven to two. He's he's gonna say something. Yeah, yeah. Then what happens? Are you guys no pay at all? What what's the penalty if contract's broken? Right. Well, it would be breach of contract. It would be. in theory, it could result in a bunch of different possibilities. Um, so there's no line item about what happens if the... No, but there are line items about other uh, other things because they have all other kinds of rules, too, that would result in them not paying us at the end of the set. So we get paid at the end of the show. And if we were to do something really outrageous, like pull our pants down and, you know, moon the audience or whatever, or, you know, advertise alcohol or, you know, throw marijuana at the crowd. Right. You know. Some riot incentive thing. Yeah. Storm the White House. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We wouldn't get paid. And the same is true for the second date. Oh, really? Yeah. We have to be. You mentioned North, um, North. What is North Star? North Star Tahoe. North Star at North Star. Then you get penalized. Well, they could refuse to pay us. They could stop our show immediately. They could. um, So both places. Depending on what we did, they could sue us too. Like that's the other thing is they could sue us. Have you read the contract like line by line? Oh yeah. All right. Are you the one in the band who's kind of responsible? Yeah, I'm the acting agent. Ooh. Secret agent man. Secret. Yeah. Do you guys do a cover of that? No. Hmm. No, we don't. We uh, had a really good rehearsal with the full band this week, and um, there were some songs that we were going to add for the second show that didn't make the cut because it's getting late in the game and certain of us can't remember everything. So, yeah. yeah. And we've had a couple of, we, well, we had one person say after months of discussion, oh yeah, I'll be there. I'm there. I'm there. And then they decided a week before the show, they're not coming. Oh, really? Yeah. Not an integral person. One of the, like, one of the rest. fluff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fuck them. That's money. You know, I didn't say that. What I, what I said in response was I'll miss you. That's what I said in response. Oh, really? Yeah, because they were pretty sincere. I mean, their timing was bad, of course, right, but right. but they were really sincere about how what why they can't make it. And COVID. No, it's not COVID. No, it's bullshit. But it's it's you know what can you do? For them, it's not bullshit. Right. Exactly. The fact that they said yes, 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 and then the week before um, says a lot about their understanding of. themselves and the relationship that they have with us. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, I just looked at it as another opportunity for us to show shine through whatever challenges come up. Exactly. And make more money. We're working on a replacement. So get a robot. You don't have to pay them. (laughs) No, I don't think that would work. Um, I've got kid program a robot for you guys have a little Minecraft player up there. <laughs> I have been toying with the idea of bringing my synth guitar. All right. That would be rad. You should do it, man. Just have it there. How often do we see someone who's got an instrument on stage? They never touch. Never. Okay. We never see that. You'd be the first. I thought I would set it up and give it to Bobby. Would he know what to do with he it? He has no idea how to play the guitar. Well, then don't do <laughs> but you have it, have it. Just bring it. All right. Well, that's an idea. It doesn't really uh, patching it through my rig would be a problem. It'd be a lot to deal with. But it's worth, it right uh, in the middle of the set. Just bring everything down for like six minutes. <laughs> we get a break. I could do it during the set break. Right, there you go. All right. 
I could, but I would just set it up at the beginning because oh, I would need it for the whole show, right? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, all right. So, so what's what's the hassle with patching it through? Well, my guitar rig is set up very specifically to maximize the tone for the way the electronics are set up, right? And so, anytime you add something new to that, it often creates um, sonic anomalies, like either hums or level changes. And it's all hardwired. I had my pedal board, you know, built by um, some guys down at Bananas at Large, right? Because I wanted it to be rock solid so that I could lug it around and throw it down on stage and have it work consistently. So finding where to patch it in would be tricky. And then making it match volumes. Then the third thing is the synth, the guitar I use to play synth on, uh, isn't as cool for the standard tones. So the idea would be to switch, you know, between seamlessly and I haven't rehearsed that, but one way to do it would be, you know, to try it at my, at my Wednesday or Tuesday rehearsal and see how it sounds. I know already that when I tried to use it in the old iteration of the band, they were all very much opposed to me using it. So was there a bias about the synth tone? You know, like we're not going to have no synth. I don't think it's that we weren't going to have no synth tone. I just think that they don't, that it's not the kind of thing. It's not organic enough in terms of my ability to perform with it. Oh, so, you know, when's the last time you played it? Oh, a couple months ago. All right, that's you know. There's some good tones in it. The tracking with the synth guitar thing isn't as quick as some things, and it also it does weird stuff. Like their synth guitars is, is is weird. I, I didn't you see Robert Fripp doing it? Didn't you go see him do something last year? No, that was someone else who went to that show. Yeah. If it's a well-integrated part of your rig and you debug it sufficiently, it can sound great. You know who was hell of into that? I just thought of his, um, what's his name? The Sammy, early, Sammy Hager was the lead singer. I just spaced out. I have been. Montrose? Montrose. Yeah, Ronnie Montrose. Yeah. He was heavily into that in the uh, early 90s, no, 80s, mid-80s. I would like to cover um Town Without Pity is a reggae song. That's a really great melody that Montrose oh, was famous for doing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, no, I'm more prone to um, stepping forward with the tone, guitar tones that I have. Like, one of the realities is that I, as I was rehearsing, I was like, uh, like, there's three pedals on this pedal board that I'm not even going to use, but I still got to lug them around to the show. Because, because I had bananas at large weld them into the they they are well attached. That's true. Yeah. Um, um, but I like my tone. My tone is just where I want it right now. So I don't want to mess with it. And I also don't want to mess with the confidence that I have. Like right now, I feel really solid. Like I don't think my bandmates have this level of confidence in me. But if I if I were to have to take up some of the slack on the second day's performance, because we can't replace the sax player, then I would gladly step forward and do what I do with what I have in my tonal arsenal right now. Well, um, man, you have this thing with the band, like that's been an ongoing narrative where you believe I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying where you believe your bandmates don't have faith in you the way you believe it's warranted. Yeah. It's hard for me to talk about this subject. Let's breathe into that. Breathe. Yeah. That's what I did is I took a deep breath before I responded. Picture marigolds raining down from heaven. Picture little black notes pinging out in the perfect harmony. <laughs> screeching their way through the heavens in a ready, sonic man. burst of electric magic. We we don't have anything else on the books. I mean, we we talked about doing a local show here in the Marin area, and we have a tentative agreement 
for one band member to do that with us. So that no, could happen. One band member. It'll be you and Bobby showing up. No, no. What I mean is there's, there's someone who's really busy and it's hard to get them booked for shows that as lumination. And that's they, been our challenge the last they, several years. The base is on fire. <clears throat> we don't want the water. Let that base burn. Burn base. If burn. you're going to out me, I can't talk about these things. You have to trust that when I don't. That was a guess. When I don't call something out, it's because I actually don't want to bring it forward. And then when you do it without me, you make my life harder. Sorry. Right? I have to live with these people. I care about these people. Of course you do. You play yeah. with them. Anyway, so hopefully we'll get to do that show. But ultimately, I'm not worried about what they think. My job is to show up and be in my heart, play to the best of my ability, and connect with the audience. What I'm wondering, of course, and we don't even have to stay on this because it already is a hot topic here. We've found our topic. <laughs> Emotional eating. <laughs> um you found where you can poke at me, which is your favorite thing to do on the show. It is. That's mm -hmm. why I was going to call it pokey outlaws, but that had a weird ring to it. <laughs> Outlaw pokey. <laughs> um, I, could I got this little name. picture of Gumby and pokey in my mind. Exactly. Walking around with six, six guns. Yeah. I love the Gumby theme song. May I just say that is beautiful. Um, Art Clokey was a genius. Is that who did that? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Those weird alien things he created, like the the nemesises of those cartoons, were wacky, man. Really wild. <laughs> I just last night watched the end of um, "Won't You Be My Neighbor," the bio auto the biography of um, Mister Rogers. And that's not the dramatization starring Tom Hanks, right? No, no. <coughs> Correct. This is the actual. A documentary about Mr. Rogers. And it was, it's really good. Like just, it's interesting that towards the end, you know, like his last days, there was an element of, um, like his will got stronger. He, uh, was more like they, you know, the puppets, they talk about how they, did you ever see it? I seen the documentary, but it was three years ago. All right. So remember at the end, like King Friday, who was mm -hmm. kind of stern and all, like they say, like before at the beginning, and you know he was that tiger, kind of bashful, and you know that. And but then at the end of his career, like really, like right at the end, he was King Friday and a little less willing to cowtail and a little more assertive. Mister Rogers finally found his balls. Well. He did have that famous scene about anger and playing the piano, and you know you could play angry, and he pounded the piano. And, but was what was cool is just his, like really about being good, and then how the media just came after him, like you know New York Times and Washington Post, and like real upper brow media went hard on him, and. Yeah. They totally missed the point. Yeah, exactly. Because their whole thing was that he raised a bunch of pussies, you know, like, you know, that everyone is special just because of you are. Well, there's that. And then the reality is a pussy is extremely. Oh, don't go into your biology. That's bullshit. Oh, my God. I'm going to throw up. I just. Why do you have to ridicule me, man? Fuck you. Yeah, that's why. Because there's Mandy Pamby falling in line in this trough dug out by the feminists before thee. <laughs> just because uh, you can't understand it and can't get it in your head doesn't mean that it needs to be ridiculed. It actually does. That's the American way. If I don't understand. Speaking of it, stuck in a rut and, and unresponsive. <laughs> anyway, I think um, kindness is a strength. And so I would uh, tend to agree that, that Mr. Rogers represents a powerful kind of kindness and compassion. 
Yeah. And that, that was his through line all the way through was, um, kindness, compassion, and that people are special just because of who they are. I think the real disappointment in his life was not getting chosen for the NFL draft. That really hurt his feelings. Well, yeah, but that was early on and, you know, (laughs) that would be so damn funny. Mr. Rogers as a quarterback, (laughs) the Tom Brady of the 20th century. Um. I did have a question, but now I can't remember. We're, oh, we're, yeah. Because I now remember, like last week when I was talking about love and do I know I loved, I'm loved, and that I recognize that the piece of me that says I don't know that I'm loved is in opposition to who I want to be, my ability to attain my goals, Probably not founded on truth. Yeah. And I was wondering if there was some um, Nambi, similarities. Nambi bullshit I wanted to say about that. Yeah. Well, no, if there's some similarities <laughs> with you thinking the band doesn't trust you the way you want to be trusted. I think if we really penetrate the core of this this area of inquiry, my skills as a soloist are really not that great, but my desire to exercise them as they are and just put them out there and let the audience do whatever they do with it is greater than my bandmates desire to, for me to do that. And that's okay. I understand them around that. Right. And what I've come to is I don't buy into the, the idea or the doubt of that. I, that I shouldn't, play melodically or shouldn't play solos or that I can't do something exciting for the audience. Right. I think the drummer and the singer who neither of whom play guitar, they relate to it from their point of view. And I get it. We're all artists. We're all creators together. What I've noticed about this experience is that a lot of the old bugaboos, the things that we're wearing on us in the relationship aren't present. We're all having a good time. That's awesome. And that's largely due to the fact that we took a break, right? right. We, we stopped yeah. grinding against the sore spots that we have for each other. And we got to this place where we appreciated it. And at rehearsal last Wednesday, I noticed there was a point where I could feel it all gel. And we were in that really solid spot. And the bass player, Jen, she looked over at me and just, she had this giant grin on her face because we were locked in that groove that's super energetic. And at the same time has that like white boy reggae feel to it. So it's kind of chill, but also energized and we're just loving each other and having a good time. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. That's, that's what the audience experiences. And that's, I think that's why, you know, after a two-year absence, the North Tahoe Business Association just said, hey, you guys want to do the show again? And we're like, yeah. And then the guy who mixes that show just basically offered us a thing that he books the next day because they remember how it feels to be in our presence. And I think that's showbiz. You don't let any of the behind-the-scenes, you know, trials and tribulations show. You just come through with the best that you can give, Right. Right. And I'll give you some insight. When when we were rehearsing last week, there's this song by Ziggy Marley that we cover, and there's a part where I take a solo in it. And the solo is actually pretty well constructed, and it's cool. And um, after the end of it, my friend Tim, who was my guitar teacher for a while, who's also an amazing guitarist, he said to me, so here's what's happening. When you get nervous, you're bending notes, and, and so your intonation is off. And... If you don't even need to worry about it, if you just play it straight, it's going to sound great. And he pointed out the thing that undermines my playing is that when I get nervous, I tend to to pull notes out of tune with where they can be. And it's really just about trusting the guitar, trusting the fretboard and trusting myself. And I notice that when I do that, I'm more fluid and I'm more happy and I'm more. And so when. In the old days when things were rough and I was, my ego was bruised and I wasn't, I was really super nervous. That meant that I wasn't playing well and it sort of fed itself. Right. 
So that's the nature of that whole thing. And, you know, it's like a language. Soloing on guitar is a language. And so people who are really articulate and speak that language very well hear, you know, what might be a 12th grade conversation versus a master's degree level, you know, English majors conversation. And to them, it's just not as interesting for me. The same emotion goes into the level that I'm at. And so I'm like, well, it's my, they're my emotions. I'm going to have, that's what I do it for. I'm just going to get out there and play so far after I'm 59, I've been playing for 30 years. I've been doing live shows forever. No one has ever booed me or thrown anything at me. <laughs> so I'm not worried. Awesome. That's good. And, you know, I'll just be honest with our audience. When I was 17, the Van Halen album debuted <laughs> and I was so intimidated and disconnected that I dissed Van Halen. Wow. And as a result, I didn't pursue that level of physical dexterity as a guitarist, right? It felt performative. It didn't feel soulful until I got older and I could understand it better, right? Is so, that throughout all the Van Halen albums, like up to 1984? I don't know. I, I just thought when it first came through, I was like, no, this isn't for me. And I, I was honest with people. I'm like, no, I, you know, I don't like Eddie's playing. That's how I feel about Al Miola and Ingve Malmsteen. Right. I think now, like, there's no soul there. Maturity and, and, and a refined ear has gotten me to the point where I really appreciate Eddie Van Halen's playing. Now I can hear his emotion in it. Right. And I went when the, the first year that Sammy joined the band, I bought tickets and I went to the 5150 show at the Cow Palace. That was an incredible show. At that show, Sammy Hagar was climbing the the lighting rig. And, and, and you know what? He was playing killer guitar and I standing next to Eddie Van Halen taking solos. That's balls. Yeah. Yeah. And that was yeah. just work. That's one thing I'll say about uh, Mr. Hager is he he can hold his ground. Like, he's not afraid to just be in the pit with whoever's there. Mm -hmm. And he kind of loves it. He kind of relishes it. Mm -hmm. And if you put me on stage with Sammy, I mean, Eddie's dead. But if you put me on stage with Sammy, I'd fucking take a solo. I'm not afraid. Yeah. You know, it's not going to, it may not sound as killer as some of the other guys, but I don't care. Have you seen that um, video on YouTube where Tom Morello joins Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band? Mm -hmm. It was some, like, like, not a tribute, but some special thing. No, and I haven't seen it. It's what's cool is if you see, I, I think Tom Morello on Howard Stern talks about it. Mm hmm. Because he uh, he does his Tom Morello solo, you know, which is you know crazy. Whoa, wow, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and w just in a nutshell, part of what I loved hearing is that Springsteen just gave him like the green flag, like go, just go for it. Right, and, but That's he was sort of like. Right. And, but Tom was kind of like, what, you know, is this going to work with, he was nervous and, and I think they changed the key on him in the last second or something like that. Wow. And, and I, I forget if it was Bruce or who's the other guitar player that has that radio show. Zance, Van Zant. So, uh, uh, yeah. Steve Van Zant. Steve Van Zant. One of those two came up to Tom and just was like, Hey, it's rock and roll. Don't worry. You got this. It's all good. Just, and, and Tom was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Protest song, rock and roll. That's my pocket. I can do yeah, this. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which just speaks to what you're saying. Like that nervousness to, to learn how to, you know, all the nerves in the world before the stage, but once you're on there to be able to just. It takes me about two or three songs for the adrenaline to subside a little bit. And for me to get into my pocket, which will be interesting. Cause I think I have a solo on like the second song in the set this time. That's where rehearsal comes in handy. Cause you, yes. you have it yes. down. Yes. Um, 
the thing that shifted it for me was um, Carlos Santana did a master class on the, the master class station. And he talked about the energetic aspects of what it means to play a guitar solo and how you do it physically. And so what he said was really potent. He says, you put two feet on the ground and you feel it come all the way up through both your legs into your cojones and through your heart to your arms. And he also is the king of one note, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And so it's really about that tone and then the soulfulness you put in the tone. Right. And so what my teacher said to me at rehearsal, what my fellow guitarist in the band, Tim said to me at rehearsal the other day was right on. It's like when you're nervous, you start to fuck around with it and it ends up hurting you. Just sit in the way that you play. You know, the other thing is I close the show. Literally the last song of the last set has this little, uh, riff. That's also the opener. The song starts with this cool riff and then it ends with the cool riff. And that's my, my riff. Right. And so I nailed it at rehearsal and I'm like, yeah, that's, there it is. That's the punctuation note. Right. And then the other thing is we play this song by sublime called what I got. And in what I got, there's a guitar solo. And whenever you play an iconic song like that, people hear that solo in their head exactly as it sounded on the record. So you have to get it. So I got that and I nailed it at the rehearsal too. So there's, this is going to be a great show. People are going to, and the harmonies, that's the thing about illumination that we often overlook is when Tom and Bobby and I sing our harmonies together. It's a potent thing. It sounds great. And we're not the Eagles, (laughs) right? But it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, I just saw a band. Oh, it was, uh, what's his name? Talking about Guns N' Roses. And he was talking about like things really changed for them as a band when they put energy and emphasis on the um, harmonies that they were doing with, what's his name? Was it Duff? The bass yeah. player, yeah, yeah, Duff, and yeah, he mostly. Other, I don't see them anyone else in that band do many interviews. He seems to be the one guy that is willing to talk to the press. Yeah, that's pretty true. The other thing I, I saw was this really cool interview with Joe Perry from Aerosmith, where he talked about how after Aerosmith's initial hits in the seventies they kind of had broken up and they'd fallen on hard times. And he had this 1950s Les Paul that he had to sell to kind of, oh, I started slash got it and yeah, slash, think, slash yeah. had it. And then on his, uh, I think it was Joe Perry's 50th birthday. Yeah. Slash, you know, cause Joe Perry tried to get him to sell it to him for years. Yeah, like, and, and slash is all like, no way, dude, I'm not selling you this guitar. This is my yeah. guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then for his birthday, Slash gave him the guitar, which I thought was a pretty cool story. Super cool story, yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of that Peter Frampton. Have you seen him talk about his guitar? Yeah, from- I know the whole. I know that whole story. And in fact, yeah. when I was still living in Oakland, I think I was eighteen at the time. There was this music store there called Leo's Music, and I went. I had was working in the restaurant business at that point, and. I had, I think, Tuesdays and Wednesdays off. And so I would come from Mill Valley where I was working as a dishwasher and then stay at my dad's house in Oakland because we would rehearse. And so I'd stay over Tuesday night and then Wednesday um, I would go back to Marin like late. And so one Wednesday morning, I just decided 10, 30, 11 a.m. when Leo's was open, oh, I'm just going to go to the music store because they had a great, they were one of the great Oakland music stores at the time. And I went in there. And I'm kind of checking out the guitars and I notice it's like, it's me and Peter Frampton was like 25 feet away from me. And I'm like, huh? But it was that kind of place. It was called Leo's pro audio. They, you know, they would be the place that, yeah. And so I was messing around looking at all the different guitars and I finally, I went up and I said, Hey, Peter, man, I saw you at day on the green. And, you know, like what's going on? What, what, why are you in here? And he's like, Oh man, I lost my, my Les Paul. And so I'm on a worldwide search to find my Les Paul Wow! or to find a replacement. And I said, Oh my God, that's horrible. And he was super friendly, right? It was just me and him. There's no one else in the store. And he pulled out 
his um, he had like a leather bag that was like all of his stuff. It wasn't a man purse. It was more like a briefcase. And he pulled it out and he literally had like 30 Polaroids of the various Les Pauls with little notes on what store had them. And he was trying to replace that guitar. And he says, I'm having the toughest time. Nothing's quite like that, baby. Yeah, that's what he said when he when it came back to him. He was like so shocked because he had given up. You know, that was like, what, 30 years had gone by? Yeah. Something crazy. Well, I saw him at the early part of that journey. Yeah, and, you uh, did. That's a, him, that's a fucking height of his chaotic yeah, and, takeover of the world. And at first I saw the staff get super nervous as I started to walk over towards him. And it could have gone badly, right? It could have been the whole fawning fan thing. But I, I was from, for the longest time, I've really related to musicians as human beings and not as demigods. And so it was really easy to have the conversation with him and then say, well, it was great chatting with you. I look forward to the, um, we got some watchers. <laughs> yeah. Mariolis is Mara Kirings. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for butchering that name. <laughs> Oh, and there she's gone. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Anyway, so Peter Frampton and I had a nice little conversation and then I let him be. I just was like, well, I'll see you later. I'm, you know, I can't really afford to buy anything, but I love coming in here and looking around. He's all, I know how that feels. <laughs> I used to be that guy, right? but not anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he asked me a little bit about, you know, what we're doing. And I, I was like, yeah, we're kind of a blues rock band. You know, we just playing in the garage, nothing too special. He's all, we'll keep it up. Right. And I'm proud to say I have. I've kept it up. I'm 59, and I actually cover a Peter Frampton song in the cover band I play in. All right. What song? Yeah. And, um, do oh, you? No, Show do Me the Way. Okay. And I got the talk box and everything. Oh, really? That's maybe the thing I should use at the show, because that's on, on the pedal board. The talk box is on the pedal board. And that would be a thing. Luminations never had anyone play a talk box solo before. That could be so. rad. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing to do is, is set that up and be like ready to go with one of those if, at some point. Yeah. Give it a shot Tuesday. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good idea. <clears throat> Damn. Now we got four people. That's great. Let's bring them on the show. <laughs> Happy Saturday. Leave Check a, in. Yeah, leave Check a message. In. Where are you guys in the world? Yeah. yeah see, uh, I, one of them bounced. All right, we lost one. Anyway. Yeah. When we start talking about major stars, meeting major <laughs> stars. Maybe we should start part two. What would part two be? Well, you're kind of cutting them short. It's only 42 minutes. It's, oh, you know, we're going to do the full hour? <laughs> it's a gorgeous day. I want to go to the beach. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> The beach be one of the best things we got. It's not what you have on, but what you have not. I'm going to be going to San Anselmo. My girlfriend's art show is opening. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's not hers. It's it's there. It's the art that they have there that she teaches. It's the students she teaches art show. Um, but they're having we're having the whole staff there, and we're going to you know hang out in San San Anselmo and do stuff and. Is that woman who I was chatting with and the potential of dating? Did uh, is she still there? I forget who that was. Oh, thumbs up from Doran. Hey, Doran. Um, yeah, she's still hey, there. Doran. Hey, in fact, she had to put together the. Yeah, bring Doran on the show. Click her through. Like, if you want to join us, I'm gonna give her the put link. This on the comments. Yeah, we can talk about Dorn in my early days as musicians. Click that link, Dorn, and you could join us. Yeah, that was a fun time. Dorn wrote Dorn? great songs. Yeah, Dorn's my sister. Oh, right. Yeah, I've known How'd her since before name? she was born. She She's was your sister before she was born. I knew her before she was born. Yeah. I was born with a plastic spoon in my mouth. Okay, well, there's the link in the... Yeah, if she wants to join us, she can join us. Otherwise, she wrote some great songs. Like, one of the things that's cool about Doran is that I remember her being three years old and us living in an apartment in El Cerrito. 
and she, we were just kind of casually getting ready to go out and she's, we're, we're walking down the apartment steps in front of the apartment. And she just turns to me and says, Mark, when I grow up, I'm going to be a singer. And she was so committed to that. And uh, she eventually got her degree in jazz vocal arranging and her professional career never like took off in a big way because she was a mom and an educator and her, the emphasis became about different things in her life. But her compositions are fantastic. And probably the one that's most near and dear to my heart is she wrote a Christmas carol in the round for me called Mark's Canon. And it's this thing that's set up so that by the time you're singing the fourth verse, the guy who's singing the first, second, and third, they're all lining up. And so it's this cool harmony that forms when you sing it in the round. And it's really a, oh, she doesn't have Safari, so she can't join us. I think any browser will work. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it should work. I use uh, the Google one. That works for me. Chrome. Chrome. Anyway. So yeah, Dorn wrote this amazing Christmas carol and she called it Mark's Canon. It could have been anything because it really hey, isn't about me. Maybe she wants to join Neil and I when we go Christmas caroling on the solstice, winter solstice. Uh, well, that might happen. She lives in Arizona and LA, depending on what she's doing. Well, so, so she's, she's not up here often. Um, but yeah, and uh, she's an entrepreneur too. She's busily working on uh, her own, you know, teaching business. She does tutoring and all kinds of stuff, but yeah. And I have her music archive. She sent me a whole bunch of cassettes and CDs from all of the compositions she's made. And I haven't made time yet to get, start getting through that, but it'd be great to build a website with all that stuff on it. So that uh, people who know Doran could, could listen to her, her brilliance. And really Did she put it. anything on Spotify. She hasn't yet because it's most of it's done on analog stuff. And if she had it digitized, she might, but, but she's also extremely detailed. And so there's a bunch of stuff. She might say, ah, no, that's not good enough for release, (laughs) which I don't blame her. But of course, when I listen to that stuff, I'm like, ah, it's good. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's the funny thing with, um, I was just, I, uh, recorded a episode of live with Greg this morning with a friend of my son's. And he was talking about all the anxiety that he had during his middle school years. And, um, and he, uh, he was attributing it to, and one aspect was his desire for perfection for himself and everything he does and how that would create this anxiety in him. Mm. And now he's learned to, one live with anxiety. Cause I asked you know, do you think it, is it healed or anything? He's like, no, you know, it's still there. But what I've learned is how to live with it instead of it. <clears throat> Next time she says, yeah. So if you could be a guest, get in touch with Mark and he'll invite you to yeah, be we a can guest. talk about music. We can talk about whatever you want about Mark's opus. What's it called? Mark's Mark's Canon Canon. Yeah. <laughs> Warfare. <laughs> no, a Canon is a type of, I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Cause yes, I no, my Canon to my girlfriend. It was yesterday. <laughs> Civil war. Um, yeah. It seems like we're heading that direction. Really? Oh, you mean the country? Yeah. I thought you meant you and your girlfriend. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's kind of uh, transparent for the podcast. Whoa, easy there. Um, Yeah, I definitely wouldn't share that if it were true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, you think uh, we're going to be going and having a civil war? You think Trump's going to run? I think he's going to commit suicide. (laughs) <laughs> just like his benefactor before him, Adolf Hitler. I think he'll suicide, quote unquote, air quotes. I think there's enough people who, oh, there she is. I'm here on my computer. Is that Doran? Yeah, let her in. Well, she, she oh, she, I have to post the comment again, maybe. 
There you go. Maybe she still doesn't want to come on. I have no idea what's going on. But that's her. That's a great. Uh, well, that'll be perfect timing. By the time she gets on, it'll probably be time for part two. Part two. <laughs> in fact, tune in next week if you want to hear how the story turns out. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And before Mark. we, um, you think so? That's the end of this one? No, it isn't. Wait, I first have to apologize for raking you over the coals and outing something you were trying to hold private and I threw it out to the world. And, yep. um, Not that it was that big a deal, but well, apparently it was in that moment. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm very protective of the people who are close to me, especially my bandmates. Like it's one thing for me to be honest about my own point of view and um, the things right. that are happening for me. But, but it's isn't not that a positive if someone's busy? It's nothing negative. You're saying like they're so busy that they may not be able to do it. That's all you were saying. It's mm-hmm. not a negative. Mm-hmm. But maybe yeah. behind the curtain, the band is like rumbling. Maybe. Maybe we could act it out with hand puppets. I'm sorry, guys. I'm too busy. I can't really book another thing this summer. Did you cut your bass strings? No. <laughs> <laughs> we're stealing your amp. Whoops, Robert. We're, we're stealing your amp. <laughs> hey, do you have uh, Doran's email? Um, yeah. You could email her that link. Yeah. Well, do I need to do it now? Well, she said she was. Yeah, she switched over to her computer so she could join us. All right, I'll I will uh, forward it to her. All right. Oh, look, now we have seven viewers. This is the most people. I'm gonna cry. You all make me so happy. <laughs> so Doran has been forwarded the link to her email. Groovy. All right. So maybe part two will be with special guests. Doran. Doran D'Amico, songstress, educator. Doran Marie D'Amico. Yeah. D'Amico's my mom's um, side of the family's maiden name, which it's the feminine maiden name. It's not even my grandfather's original name, right? He was a Doria, but they traced back the feminine line, the female line. How far back? Like, you know, it's enough to get the D'Amico name. Yeah, because that was still probably a father's name. You know, there's something to what you're saying, Greg. <laughs> That's part of the ridiculousness with the whole, you know, it's carved in stone. You can read it yourself. Oh, really? Okay. Let me put that writing right next to this other writing. <laughs> God, people, the adamacy of righteousness is just chaotic. Yeah, and the the atomacy of the anti-righteous is just as chaotic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Recording stopped.